everybody, get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We've got a great show for you today. So, everybody's going to Greece. We're everybody gonna, is going to Greece. We're the ones who haven't gone to Greece lately. we got to go to Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, so, since we can't go today, we're bringing the best of Greece to you. There is a new restaurant opening on the wharf, Limani, uh, on the 15th of November. And we brought in the team from Limani to talk about not just their seafood restaurant, but the, the Greek culture, the Greek uh, culinary culture. Well, and also is, why a New York brand is coming to D.C. Well, why a New York brand is coming to D.C., mm-hmm. right. So we've got in with us today the executive chef, Lonnie Zoller, uh, general manager, Michael, Michael Deary, and the operations manager, Kuriakos Kuriakopoulos. Yes. I did it. Excellent. Did it. All right. Can't wait to talk to these guys. Gold star at the beginning of the show. All right. All right. And Emma, <laughs> Emma Jagaz is the owner-farmer at Moon Valley Organic Farm, where they grow and work for uh, some of the best restaurants in town. Michelin a, star chefs. Yes, about 100 restaurants. Mm-hmm. Her story is amazing because she started, you know, just planting in her house to see how things grew. And now she serves hundreds of restaurants and she's got 20 employees and dogs. And well, you can um, get her stuff as well. So yep. We'll get into all, all about that. It. Mm-hmm. Jordan Brown is CEO of the Jet Agency Global. The big thing these days is. Renting a private jet to jet off to I want to rent a Greece. private we're jet. Going, we're going to <laughs> Greece. But he's got access to about 5,700 different varieties, he calls them, of jets. And he's going to be on to tell us how we can do that. And maybe he'll tell us how we can afford it. I don't mm-hmm. know. Okay. Sounds cool. And Istanbul, Hawaii is the only Turkish uh, and Mediterranean restaurant in the state of Hawaii uh, that combines the traditional flavors of both cultures together. Joining us today is Chef Ahu Hetima, who together with her mom created Istanbul in Hawaii. And they were, they won, I mean, they're so spectacular. They won the women-owned business of the year for the entire state of Hawaii. That's and not only in. that, their story is really unique. And I love the melding of the flavors of Hawaii with the flavors of Turkey. And I, I Chef's story is really interesting, so I'm looking forward to talking. So uh, let's talk to the guys from Limani first. Guys, tell us a little bit about the restaurant. It's a Greek Mediterranean restaurant. <laughs> uh, prime you have for- a good voice for radio. You do. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Uh, Just a hard name for radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, focusing primarily on seafood. Um, it is a very healthy cuisine. It's become very popular uh, the last uh, 15, 20 years. Um, it's uh, predominantly seafood that we charcoal grilled, topped with a lemon olive oil sauce, parsley, and capers. And everything is very simply done, but it's just great products. But you guys are out of New York, so what, let's get a little bit of the history. When did you open up in New York? We opened up in Roslyn, Long Island, 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so you say Long Island correctly. I like that. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, we the opened, G goes on the I. Yeah. Yeah. Long Island. Yeah, Long, Long Island. Island. <laughs> yes. Go uh, ahead. We we opened our second location in Rockefeller Center, uh, New York, 2014, mm-hmm. and we've been building the brand since. A couple other locations popping up in New York. Then we uh, went up to Boston, uh, North Carolina, and now we're very excited to be at the Wharf in Washington D.C. And what was it about the D.C. market that you guys were most like interested in? 
Uh, I mean, first of all, the location's incredible. It's on the water, so you get a, an incredible view. Mm-hmm. The restaurant is a seafood restaurant, so where better to Makes sense. serve fish uh, mm-hmm. than looking along the water? Um, but D.C. is obviously an intriguing market. There's so much uh, power and influence in this. Uh, I know you're sitting in it right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I feel it. I feel mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I just got <laughs> off the phone with Joe. Yeah, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Mr. Biden. Yes. yes. He, he said our show, <laughs> we was, call him Joe. our show was full of malarkey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys going to pour first for us? Uh, first, we have a, a Sirtico. It's a wine indigenous to Santorini. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a white wine, uh, very high minerality. Uh, so uh, Santorini is an island where a volcanic explosion occurred a few thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's covered in volcanic ash instead of soil. So, so it's uh, got that... It's got that bite at the end, like that ashy favor, like a Mount Etna wine, yeah, right? Yeah. It's got that little... That was I, a good guess. I, but I love that. Yeah. I mean, we love Mount Etna wines, and that's why stuff from Santorini is always so good. It's a dry, very high minerality wine. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, suspect that these wines became so popular because, like you guys were saying, everybody's going to Greece. They're going to Santorini. It's one of the most popular island, islands, if not the most popular. Mm-hmm. And everybody is... Uh, sipping this wine with a beautiful view, and I, I would imagine it just kind of transports them back to... I've heard that in English, Santorini means too many Americans. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, while you're pouring that wine, let's get to our next guest. All right, well, Chef Ahu, welcome to the show. Thanks for getting up at probably 5 a.m., your time, to be on the show with us. Uh, why don't we start off with a little bit of a background on you. Tell us, uh, you were born in... You're from Turkey, and somehow you landed yes. in Hawaii. Give us that whole story. Please. Yes, I was from Turkey and uh, I came to US to go college. Basically, that was the whole idea of coming to US. So I went to, I'm an artist, uh, mainly a painter. I love to do, I love to do oil painting, acrylic painting. And when I was in San Francisco, I met with my husband uh, who happened to be living in Honolulu for a long time, over 10 years when I met with him. Mm-hmm. And I had some immigration problems, which prevented me to leave U.S. for about 10, 11 years. So and I all your family home. was in Turkey? Yes, all my family mm-hmm. and friends were in Turkey. And my attorney informed me that, no, you cannot leave. If you leave, then you may not come back. And and I was going to school for art and psychology. And my whole idea was creating my own art therapy. Um, that was my goal. But then during those time, because I wasn't able to go back home and some of my loved ones also died during that time, Mm. it was very emotionally challenging times for me. So I was the one I happened to be actually in anxiety, mental issues, you know, depression. And that is when my husband, at that time, he was my boyfriend told me, oh, you know, I googled your city, which is from, I am from the Mediterranean coast of Turkey. Mm-hmm. I said, it exactly looks like Honolulu. You have to come and see Honolulu. You have to. And, you know, the moment I stepped in Honolulu, um, and many local people also tell this to me when I share my story, they tell me that if Hawaii accepts you, they it accepts you. It it brings you joy, you know, success, whatever you're looking for. If it doesn't accept you, it just you better get out. Doesn't accept you. Yes. And the moment <laughs> I stepped in from the airplane, I remember the beautiful air hugging me. 
just welcoming me and I didn't know about much about Hawaii before you mm-hmm. know and it, it felt a little bit like home starting that day and it just started growing since then and this but is when, when did, I decided yeah, to when did you, you know, start cooking like when did you start well, I was making always the food cooking. okay Yes, I was always cooking because it is my mother. My mother always cooks, and um, she, she, this is the way she shows her love to mm-hmm. everybody. She cooks for you. She feeds you. For her, you know, food is so powerful. It is not just the. She show me a part of the food that heals you, nurture you, nourish you. Not just your body, but also your soul. But, mm-hmm. And she's very artistic as well. So she also taught me that part. So when I was growing up, I was always cooking with her. That was our time together in mm-hmm. the kitchen. But when that did you bring that? Like you started time. in farmer's markets. Like how did you start your business on yes, the island? So I started about eight years ago mm-hmm. when I was doing not doing well at all uh, when this is when my psychiatrist gave me really heavy medications for mm. my conditions and my mom said from the uh, our virtual conversation that no you you cannot live your life like this with mm. these medication and stuff she doesn't believe in those things at all so she literally <laughs> flied over with bunch of spices in her luggage you know all those dif- little different things that i love so she went into my kitchen and she started cooking for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that really, of course, partially her love, partially her cooking, just it it just transformed something in me, you know, towards to do my healing process. And that I started cooking with her and it became very, it, it became healing for me. Mm-hmm. This is when I discovered the power of food. Because before I didn't know much about it, to be mm-hmm. honest. I mean, people can say about it, you hear about it. But um, I think until you really live that feeling that how food heals you, nourishes you, nurtures you, mm-hmm. that is when I decided this is what I love to do. And that was fitting with my personality a lot as well, because I'm an artist. Cooking is an art. It's, mm-hmm. it's a form of art. Cooking with my mother was a joyful time. It's a, it's a joyful time for me. Mm-hmm. And I know my mother always wanted to have her own place that she cooks for people. She sees her guests when they come in. So this is when I decided, okay, I'm going to open this beautiful restaurant. It will be 100% open kitchen where my mom can see her guests and she can cook for them. And we can have this joyful moment share with beautiful people of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Well, this is how the idea became. And of course, opening a restaurant with no, you know, um, experience, investors, <laughs> investors, not much experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though when I was a student, I worked with many restaurants. My family owns restaurants in Bay Area, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So I was helping them. I kind of grow up in that environment, uh, especially I learn what not to do. Okay. So, uh, but did you find being in Hawaii? I mean, you're on an island. Was it hard yes. to get the ingredients you needed? How did you work with? Absolutely. How did you work absolutely. with what was available to wind up serving the yeah, food because, you wanted? Because I, you know, I spent some time in Istanbul, and even though it's a city of 16 million, that you know makes New York look like a little suburb. 
everywhere you go, every restaurant you go into, everything's fresh. The seafood is fresh. The veg, the tomatoes are the size of soccer balls. Like is part of that has to be had to be what sort of resonated with you culturally because that's how it is in Hawaii too. Absolutely. So we do have a um, good amount of local farms in Honolulu, mm-hmm. some in Maui that we work with, some in Big Island. Uh, I and my mother, when we were cooking, not professionally, just for ourselves, we were always going to farmer's market. Always, it was the place for us to go shop before we start cooking. And we love to cook seasonally. So um, when we were going there back and forward, it was one of the friends over there gave us an idea, like, why don't you open a little tent and cook here and people will love what you guys do because we develop relationship with the farmers and we start to give, bring them our food. Chef, we have to take a quick idea. break. We have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we want to hear about what you're cooking. Yes. This is David and Nikki right. Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. So last time Nick and I were in Georgetown, we just wanted to get some food and chill out a little. And we went to Tony and Joe's Seafood Place on the Georgetown waterfront. Uh, and I, we had a great meal. I, we had oysters. I don't remember what else we had. Well, the most fantastic thing about Tony and Joe's is honestly its location. It is right there on the water. You're looking at the Kennedy Center and you're looking at the water and there's all those boats going by. So you have great people watching. And that's whether you're dining outdoors on their amazing patio or dining indoors with their floor-to-ceiling windows. Um, Of course, they have amazing seafood, like the oysters, usually local, um, but great lobster, great fish. and uh, have great steaks there, too. Yes, and they have steaks, too. It's just a great place to go for great drinks and great food with a view. I love their line. They say, come for the food, stay for the view, and that's what you should do. Tony and Joe's. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And Chef Ahu, you were... I mean, you're very honest about sort of the trials and tribulations that you experienced, but you came out into the sunshine because of cooking and because of your love for food. And your mother. And your mother. And you end up, you end up, you know, ascending to the stars. I mean, when you, when you win that kind of an award from the state of Hawaii, it's a lot of recognition. So tell us about the menu at the restaurant. What, what, what can we expect when we walk through the door? So when you walk to the door, our whole goal was to transport you literally in, in, in Turkey, in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. That was the whole idea of sharing this beautiful culture with beautiful people of Hawaii and also tourists. Um, so you stepped in, you will feel like you are not in the islands anymore. Um, you are in Turkey. That, is the, that was our goal. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is, the whole design is Turkish. Everything is brought from Turkey, design-wise, um, and I'm really proud of it because I designed the place, and we also receive awards for our design, being the one of the most beautiful restaurants in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And the food-wise, we always use local as possible. That is our goal. If we can find it locally, we will use locally. But also there are some Turkish ingredients. You cannot make Turkish food without it. So we import those high-quality ingredients as well. Sure. This, but I was sort of curious, of- but like with the fish and the, uh, and the meats available on Hawaii, like does that mean you have to sort of turn some of the things you're doing on its head a bit to keep it traditional? Because, you know, the fish is different. The, the offerings are different. The local offerings are different. 
So local offerings is different, yes, but we use our own spices. Mm-hmm. We we have our own uh, palette, right, for flavor wise. So even though we use local ingredients, still becomes Turkish food because the flavors are Turkish. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Of course, absolutely. So, yeah. So everything is literally flavor wise is Turkish, but mostly local ingredients we work with lots of local farmers mm-hmm. local vendors we have a local farmer in we studio do... today <laughs> a local farmer excuse me <laughs> we have a local farmer in studio today who will be talking to oh. after you <laughs> okay that would be great all right so listen we want to thank you for joining us uh, all and getting up this early to speak with us and mm-hmm. um what i can say is the next time we're in, we're in hawaii we're going to come to Honolulu, which we've never done before. No, we haven't. Let's go out into the islands. And we are going to dine on Turkish food in Hawaii. Absolutely. Chef, can you yeah, tell everybody yeah, where they can find you, please? Yes, they can find us in Wart Village, Kaka'ako. Mm-hmm. It is 1108 Hawaii Street mm-hmm. uh, in Honolulu. Are you on Instagram? Um, we are. It is Istanbul, Hawaii, okay. if you like to follow us. Great. Yes. Thank you, Chef. Thank you for joining us this morning. It was very good to talk to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Okay, back to the latest restaurant to open up on the wharf. Um, What phase are you guys in on the wharf? Do you know which part of the wharf you're in? Uh, Phase two. uh, We just opened up our building. Uh, uh, It's the the second waterfront building that's on the wharf. Mm -hmm. Uh, First being Hell's Kitchen by Gordon Ramsay. Sure. Um, but yeah, we are a st- standalone on the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you have any, comp- I mean, direct competition down there? I'm trying to think of another Greek restaurant that's. Down There's there. no there Greek restaurant. No, no other Greek restaurant. I mean, Italian. We're, we're kind of oh, uh, Mallorca. Yeah. Today, New York. Tomorrow, yeah. Washington. The next day. No, the no, world. no. They already got a lot of. Places. No, I'm saying the world. Okay, <laughs> so can we talk about given that, um, you know, Greek Mediterranean are sort of, it's it's doesn't explain the regionality. Right. When you say Greek food is everything like you poured the wine from Santorini, but are you pulling regionality into the food that you're serving or is it That's more a question for Lonnie? OK. No? Lonnie. Regionality within Greece. Yeah. You yeah. know, like you what more so the Levant, like um, everything that range. Like no, no, no. I'm talking more about Greece, Greece right? since yeah. you consider yourself a Greek restaurant. Yeah. But in Greece has all the islands. There's so many different. The cuisine little twists. throughout Greece isn't going to change much uh, depending on like geography, topography. If you're mm-hmm. in the mountains, you're definitely going to be eating more of the lamb. Lamb. Right. If you're uh, on an island, you're definitely going to be more seafood focused. Mm-hmm. We have lamb chops on the menu. We have a, a, a ribeye. We have filet mignon. I just started to salivate. Did okay. you? <laughs> um, it, we, we do kind of encompass everything. So we have meats, but uh, seafood is the primary focus um, of, of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Meats are not to be looked down upon. They are delicious also. Right. But... Um, and what is it about the seafood that you're serving? Um, because I think a lot of Greek food is known because for the simplicity of it, right? Like there's not a lot of dairy. Not uh, at all. As, you know, uh, except it, for cheese. It, what's really cool about the different fish that we get is it's coming from all over the world. The majority of, of them are coming from the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. But we have langoustines coming from Iceland. We have uh, mm. octopus coming from Tunisia. Um, some fish is coming from New Zealand. It's really just wherever we can get the best products from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, whether that's uh, New Zealand today and Greece tomorrow. And then w- what is the, 
are we grilling? Do you guys have a massive grill in the kitchen? Like, what's what's the feel? The kitchen is full. You want to? Yeah, you got to get in front of the mic, dude. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, we do have a whole row back line full of the charcoal grills. Mm -hmm. And at any given moment, at the peak of service, you could see. 20 to 30 pieces of fish grilling it at mm-hmm. once. Are you doing whole? I mean, whole. what's yeah, talk yeah. to me about yeah. it. Yeah, so basically we get the fish in. <clears throat> it gets clean. We keep it on ice. And mm-hmm. then to service, we see, simply sea salt. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of the lot of lemon, which is olive oil lemon dressing, mm-hmm. goes on the grill, gets cooked, and then we just butterfly it, uh, take, out, take out all the... Is the that done table and, side or is that done in the well, kitchen? Well, we do it in the kitchen and then it's presented at the table mm-hmm. and then it's served table side but it's mm. you know simple is better yeah absolutely so we focus in like on the product and then the simplicity and then the product speaks for itself okay terrific i'd yeah. like to talk a little bit about the olive oil but we have to get to our next guest what are you guys pouring next and you never poured first so what are we pouring next come on we gotta get lit up here. i know let's go boys somebody's gotta get on mic what are we pouring next so we're pouring joseph malo sancerre that's right. french yes it is french so Sancerre is an appellation that consists of 3,000 hectares mm-hmm. in France. Uh, primarily, there you're going to have two main varietals, Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Noir. Mm. Now, this particular one is uh, from Joseph Malot, and I have a longstanding relationship with the winemaker. Mm. Okay, great. All right, we'll get back to you in a Pour sec. Away. Well, so I feel like after talking with um, our chef from Hawaii, and her talking about like being at the farmer's market. She executed at the farmer's market. Bringing on our next guest makes so much sense. So why don't you bring in Emma? Emma. All right. So Emma has a story. Moon Valley Organic Farm is is a huge operation now, and you're you're providing. I know, but let's start at the fresh, beginning. I'm going to fresh produce to more than a hundred restaurants. But the start of this thing is what was so interesting. I heard the whole story before the show. Okay. Well, let's do it take, again. Take it from the top. But I have to everybody. say, so I met Emma at an event over the summer where um, she was showcasing uh, her farm and what she was doing. But it was her, it's not your partner, but uh, sort of her publicist who was explaining to me your story and about it's how an you started just like on your own. Let her tell mm-hmm. it. Okay, let's hear it. Fire away. All right. So... In 2012, that was the first official year of Moon Valley Farm, but I started growing food just a couple years before from zero farming background. Mm -hmm. Um, I started growing arugula when I was pregnant with my first child because I read that arugula was really great for baby brain development. Mm. And I became hooked on how amazing this arugula tasted. It tasted better than the arugula I got in the store. And then Which I started, can be like flimsy, yeah. low pepper, right? Like fresh mm-hmm. arugula can it's like is spicy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when I was searching for that arugula, I was looking through all these seed catalogs and was just blown away that I was looking at ingredients that I've never seen in the grocery store before. Mm. So I just bought them and grew it out and well, like was what? so impressed. Like ground cherries. Um yeah, you've never heard of them. Uh, most people haven't, but they're a native here. They're um, they're kind of like a tomatillo, but small. So they're okay. in a husk, uh-huh. and they taste sort of like a combination of a cherry tomato and like a pineapple. Ooh. So they they can be used in sweet applications or in salsas. And so like did a, you have a... room on your property to grow? No. Like where <laughs> are we growing them in pots? What are we doing? Yeah, I actually did start on my apartment balcony. And okay. 
And then um, when I started Moon Valley Farm in 2012, I started in my parents' backyard in the suburbs of Baltimore County. Mm-hmm. And I grew the operation from a 12-member community-supported agriculture program to, you know, on half an acre of this of this suburban land. And for the next eight years, I kept bartering more pieces of land to okay. grow my operation. So, so but at what point did you make it a business model? I feel like yes. we jumped. When In did 2012, the bus- I, okay. started, I started Moon Valley Farm as a CSA farm, um, the community-supported agriculture. So people would get a box of veggies a week yeah. for the season, which was about six months at that point. Um, today, we still operate as a CSA farm for over 600 families year-round. Mm-hmm. Um, so we offer home delivery and pickup locations throughout D.C., Northern Virginia, Frederick, Baltimore. Um, I mean, that's the opportunity for a new customer here Well, I mean, but else. I want to know how you started because not mm-hmm. only were you servicing the community, but then you were getting in with restaurants. The best yes. restaurants. Now, town, like so. some of the Michelin-starred restaurants. So Absolutely. How, how did you make, who was your first relationship with? Yeah, so. In, in, the, in the restaurant business. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah, <laughs> in, in 2013, I started selling to Woodbury Kitchen in Baltimore. Oh, Spiker. Um, Spike. Yes, and that was because one of the volunteers that helped make my farm run at the time was a server there, and I had but some he, extra his, produce. But his commitment when he opened up Woodbury, yes. you know, his he he doesn't even have lemons Olive at the oil. bar, no. right? Like yeah. he was like, if it's not from a hundred miles, mm-hmm. right, then I'm not doing it. He he right. um, he milled his own flour. Like I mean, yes. he was intense, yes, about what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So you're you like totally fit in with where yeah. it was like right place, right time, right? Yeah, like, exactly. So that was uh, one of the first years of Woodbury Kitchen. We still sell it to them today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I started selling to Woodbury Kitchen in uh, as part of my business and then also having the CSA program, I found that those two sales channels really partnered together well. Mm-hmm. So I could really nerd out on unique ingredients for Woodbury Kitchen and challenge the chefs with, things that they haven't heard of before and then I can grow some regular you know oregano right for my CSA program so I can just grow carrots and potatoes and things like that for Mm -hmm. and now you're year-round because you you have greenhouses how many do you have I have nine greenhouses right now we're about to build a tenth wow um so yeah growing year-round is a huge part of our mission we focus on storage crops and greens that can be overwintered and um, microgreens as well. Okay, we have to take a break. But yeah, so I want to get a little more granular because you're talking about things that I don't think most people who don't have farms understand. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit more. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. Where do you get your vegetables? We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Uh, Emma, Moon Valley Farm has a lot to offer. One of the things I think it has to offer is education for the you know the great unwashed. Who okay, but really... wait, can we get back to my question first well, this, before we get to your so, question? So, well, no, this is your question. You're, it's yes, about how it. you know how you educate your customers from the restaurants are educated, and they're looking for you know they're looking to you for excellence and maybe new ideas and all that. But you also have a CSA, and you have folks who you know come out there and may not know you know beyond what a CSA is. What you you know why buy from you? Mm-hmm. kids, all of that. How do, you, how do you educate the uneducated? 
Yeah, onboarding and continuing to educate my customers is a huge part of our business. We have created a lot of resources to share what's seasonal in the mid-Atlantic when, because Mm -hmm. that's one of the hardest things. A lot of people from D.C. are transplants. Mm-hmm. Right. So like some of our guests here were not born in the mid-Atlantic region. So you, you wouldn't have a reason to know why. But the food scene in this region is um, does attract people from all around the world. Mm-hmm. So education in that is important. We've developed a whole onboarding strategy for each of our customer bases. We also sell to our school system. I was going to say, do school groups come out there? Um, Yeah, sometimes. Um, We have had some school groups come this fall, um, and we do sell two Title I schools in Frederick County, and and so we do send along some resources to them, too. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's a whole journey because a lot of our customers don't know what's in season. They also don't know how to utilize some of the specialty produce that we're growing. So, like, you talked about, you know, hardier vegetables and and cellaring them or what does that all mean like how do people take care of their vegetables how do you take care of what you're growing so that you can do year-round how does that work yeah in the mid-atlantic here we are really able to live on the land year-round by using some um some tried and true techniques from Mm -hmm. all around the world so in some cases we're growing uh varieties from Russia because those varieties of, you know, kale have adapted to harsh winters there. So it's kind of a breeze for them to overwinter in the mid-Atlantic comparatively. Just don't grow them near wheat from Ukraine. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Keep them separate. So, so, you know, we're using storage crops um, and we're just using regular walk-in cooler technology. Mm -hmm. um, But so there's that. We're, we're using high tunnels and greenhouses. Most of them are not heated. Some of them have a small amount of heat. As an organic farm, we use a lot of floating row cover, which is kind of like a blanket mm-hmm. for the produce um, that we can use to exclude pests, but we can also use it to add a couple degrees of warmth. What mm-hmm. is climate change doing to you? So climate change is a major issue for us on the farm. Uh, we've been in a drought for the past several years, and you can see a, a contrast in, that's unexpected in the Northeast, that what they had absolute floods this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. So one of the things that we do, I actually have like a nine-part climate plan, okay. climate resilient plan for my farm. You're a process person. <laughs> yeah, I am a process person. <laughs> yeah, so we have a combination of perennials and annuals. We have a combination of storage crops and high tunnel crops. We have um, crops in the field in all season that mm-hmm. will store for a couple months. Um, we also partner with other farms in the region. So Sometimes a farm that we partner with in Southern Maryland has a totally different climate zone or climate experience than mm-hmm. we do in closer to the mountains in Frederick. Mm. So partnerships and collaborating with other businesses is so let's well wait we have to wrap up shortly so no. let's talk about some of the restaurants that you are servicing yeah. right now like in the DC market who are you working with? I hate to exclude anybody but we we do have a lot of. Really great chef partners, um, Tail Up Goat, Revelers Hour, Oyster mm-hmm. Oyster, The Dabney, Nina May, um, so many really great I mean, restaurants. We went to my high school. Yeah, he did. Nice. The guy from Nina May. 
What's his name? Colin. 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 Yeah. Colin. Yeah. He's so nice. Colin. Colin, the Murray graduate. No, but I mean, listen, you were, you're obviously servicing Michelin-starred and James Beard award-winning chefs, yes. which is, I mean, great for you. But then you're also servicing the community with... Um, the ability for them to also have access it's to amazing products. It's quite a long product. way from your first clay pot of Yes, arugula. of arugula. Yes. It's amazing. So tell us, I know you have some things coming up for the season that people can get access to. Do you want to quickly tell us about that? Yeah, so we have an online farmer's market and offer home delivery. You don't have to have a subscription to order from us. One of the things we're offering that. right now is a Thanksgiving box, which is everything but the turkey. So it'll have your mashing potatoes, your sweet potatoes, your... Um, parsley, rosemary, thyme. It has some gourmet mushrooms, mm. um, carrots. Um, and is this a collective or is it all from your farm? It's a collective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we I have like some from our farm and some from other partner farms in the region. Terrific. They must love all right. you out there. Tell everybody, please, where we can find you on Instagram and where how we can get you online. Like, how do we become part of the CSA? Great. Yeah. So we're at Moon Valley Farm. Mm-hmm. On Instagram and our website is moonvalleyfarm.net and we have a ton of recipes there. That's where you can order produce. Great. You can find all the resources about food in the Mid-Atlantic. Excellent. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Let's go back. Back to the boys from Limani. Yes. So you poured a, uh, well, you mentioned the Sancerre. So talk yes. a little bit about the wine program. It's not completely Greek. So the wine program is not completely Greek. Mm. Uh, we do have a focus on white wines that are mineral driven and dry that pairs with our seafood. Mm-hmm. And then we have a pretty extensive Italian portfolio as well. Mm. Just in terms of uh, Barolo, Barbaresco, we found that um, Italian wines actually sell really well with the cuisine. We're huge okay. Italophiles, so we you're saying huge. the right thing. Yes. So. Yeah. That's why we don't go to Greece. We go to Italy. We go to Italy? Italy? Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Perfect. But if we go to Corfu, we get the best of both. Well, that is yeah. also very true. Yeah. Um, and let's talk a little bit about the olive oil. Because olive oil is so important to the cuisine, right? So can we, where are you getting it from? Talk about the process. Yeah, um, olive oil is coming from Kalamata. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kalamata is a region in the Peloponnese, Peloponnese Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, just good quality olive oil. You know. Okay. What are you pouring next? Next we are pouring Worthy. It is a Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the second label of Axios. Axios mm-hmm. meaning Worthy in uh, Greek. Excellent. And I want to say, Michael looks very nice today. It's radio, but he wore a he suit did. and a tie, and he you look like you're going to Sunday school. You look very you. handsome. I appreciate that. And I'm in my schlubby outfit. All okay, right. so. Let's talk about private jets. We want to talk about private jets because this summer when we did fly to Italy, we went on a business class only airline that we really loved called La Company. But then we found out about this company, um, Jet Agency Global. And so, I'm like, hey. How Jordan, do we get in on that? Jordan Brown's with us. He's the CEO of Jet Agency. They're out of Naples, Florida. Mm-hmm. And just to give you the basic, the bottom line, it's a fixed-rate private jet service, and they have more than 5,700 different kinds of aircraft that you can mm-hmm. rent, re- lease, whatever. Jordan, are you there? Hey, Jordan. Sure. Hey, how are you guys? It's good to have you on. So we, I was really, really interested in this company and what you guys are doing. So can you give us a little background? I mean, it's not like every little boy is like, when I grow up, I'm going to just do private jets. Well, I do want to say, before you jump in, you, you you said that at 11 you were washing airplanes. I want to hear how that all got started. Correct. No, I, I, I think my in my mom's minivan, you know, with all the supplies and everything. So I grew up near uh, 
near a small regional airport where, you know, commercial aircraft did not land there, but uh, small, you know, private airplanes, you know, would fly in and out of there. So uh, early fascination with airplanes just due to, you know, where, where we live geographically. So uh, I'd go up to the airport and, uh, you know, peer my, my fingers through the fence and eventually, you know, started helping people around their hangars wash wash their airplanes to earn flight time. So I did that from, you know, 11 to 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a company called Airplane Aesthetics. So uh, I would Boy. skip school and uh, and go wash airplanes. But uh, that's how I got into the business. But uh, today, Jet Agency is a higher pedigree aircraft membership, private jet membership. So mm-hmm. uh, folks put down nearly a quarter million dollar deposit and uh, from there, it works like a debit card. You, you pay a certain dollar amount per hour and you can go anywhere in the world you want to Italy to, you know, we do stuff in Dubai, uh, all around the world. So I also <laughs> look forward to talking about aircraft catering uh, today as well. So, okay, well, before uh, we get there, I mean, can we talk about the setup of it? So I plunked down a bunch of money. How does it work? I mean. Can we explain like where these jets are from, how you take care of them? Like it sounds like the Uber of private jets. So how does it work? Sure. And I, you know, Uber private jets. Yes. But also, you know, for our members, if if they live in New York city and they're going to Palm beach, that's a two and a half hour flight. Roughly Mm -hmm. our entry level per hour is around 7,000 an hour. Uh, so that's going to be about sixteen, you know, eighteen thousand dollars to fly from New York to Palm Beach. How far can I, just, uh, What's yeah. it going to cost me to go about six minutes? That's <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So that's how the program works, and then we just deduct that, deduct that out of their account. The we use floating fleet aircraft. Uh, so in the marketplace, we pre-buy those hours from providers. Uh, and then resell those hours. Now, are the so, providers just companies that own jets to do this? Or is it if I've got a private jet, but I'm not going to be using it for the next three weeks, I can call you up and say, Jordan, if anybody needs to go somewhere, you know, you've got my, uh, you know, whatever. You're, you're right on, David. Um, you know, for us, uh, I'd like to make the comparison that if you own a home in Aspen, you probably have a management company. Mm-hmm. And when you're not in your home, you know, you lease it out for right. a lot of money per week. It's the exact same thing in our business. Uh, air, aircraft owners have a management company, uh, you know, that, that lease out the aircraft when they aren't using it. So you're you're right on. You're oh. hired. Yeah, there you go. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about sort of the how how people utilize it, sort of the concierge service. And you said yourself there's people have to eat while they're flying. So what are they eating? So we'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking to Jordan Brown, who is the CEO of a brilliant company called Jet Agency. And you can lease a private jet to go where you got to go unless you're just going down the street to, I don't know, buy some aspirin or something. So, Jordan, um, I guess one of my questions, Nikki wants to talk about the amenities. Well, I want to talk about the functionalities and the amenities, yes. But, but – um, there are all sorts of new technologies coming out that, you know, every day there are always new jets, you know, that are, that are emerging on the scene. Can I be that, that specific about what kind of jet I want to lease and, and, and tell you that for my money? Or do you, do you sort of give me what's available? 
Sure, that's a great question. Uh, we are going to give you what's available in our program. So we go by category. Uh, jets are listed from light, mid, super, and heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's determined, honestly, how, how big the aircraft is and how many people it holds and how far it can go. So when you sign up for our program, uh, you can go between those categories. Maybe you guys are just headed, you know, a couple hours away, you take a lighter, a mid-sized jet, but if you're headed to Italy, you're going to need a heavy jet. So, gotcha. Yep. And then how do the amenities work on the flights? Is that part of the package? How does that work? You, you would think it was, you know, and sometimes, you know, we include free catering. Uh, we do in, include ground transportation. Uh, those are some of the main amenities, right? You want to land, you want the, you know, the SUV to pull up two feet from. Well, you, you know, said the, the right thing, Jordan, you do want to land. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So when you do land, uh, you want that SUV pulling up. Uh, right next to the airplane, you literally take two steps out of the plane into your SUV, and then you have people, uh, you know, taking care of your bags and loading it into the SUV for you. So that's mm -hmm. that's a huge amenity. Yeah, absolutely. And then can we talk about how did you, how do you supply food services, drinks, things of that nature? I mean, are people just bringing picnic baskets on their private jets? How's it working? You know, sometimes I encourage folks to do that. Uh, Private jet catering is really a shock to the, to our clients as far as the cost uh, and, and what you get for that cost. So really? I will give you an idea that a box lunch is going to be $150. I'm talking- That better be a good box. Turkey sandwich, cookie, and a pickle uh, is about 150 bucks. And the huh. reason being, my belief is because- Everybody wants a piece of the pie, right? You got to deliver it to the private jet terminal. They charge a fee for handling it. Mm. Uh, you've got to have it delivered from the kitchen that's nearby. Uh, so there's a delivery fee in there. Uh, but you can order whatever you want. Now, depending on the aircraft size, you might not have a heating element on board. So if you're in a smaller jet, you're not going to have a microwave or an oven. Uh, so you need to order things that are cold, right? Mm -hmm. So we advise our clients on that, you know, salads, uh, sandwiches. Uh, some aircraft owners do not allow red wine. They don't want you to spill. They don't want the you wine. to spill. That makes sense. Well, you know, but actually that, that brings up another question. Is there, other than the pilots, is there staff on these private jets? Or is that an added on thing that you have to ask? Another for? Another great question. So on the heavy jets, the Gulf Streams, the G5s that, you know, mm -hmm. you hear on TV, yeah. those have flight attendants. Okay. Uh, so the flight attendants are serving you. All of our aircraft come with a standard stock, you know, some snacks like vending machine stuff, mm -hmm. uh, snacks, Diet Coke, stuff like that. But uh, and it's very interesting on the Gulf Streams. There's literally a galley in the back where the flight attendant can prepare really anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, they do a great job. The flight attendants are you know, a lot of them are sommeliers, uh, very well trained in safety and food, you know, food handling. It, it's a great experience, but it's it is I'll say it not to upset anybody out there, but it's well overpriced. OK, well, I appreciate your honesty on that. Um, can we talk about sort of what the impact of the pandemic has had on this business model? Because I would assume that for people who can't afford it, they're like, yeah, I don't ever want to fly on a commercial airliner ever again. Sure. Um, I think like some industries, it, it, it was a, a blessing and a curse. Mm. Uh, we couldn't keep the airplanes in the air. I mean, we could have flown the airplanes 24-7 without our landing. It was, uh, 
absolute insanity. Uh, I've been, as I stated earlier in the business for, you know, 25 years, I've never seen anything like it. Um, but then, you know, these planes started breaking. So then it, we got wrapped up into the supply chain issues of parts. Uh, you know, so it, it was unprecedented for us, mm-hmm. um, you know, the level of interest in, in the amount of flying we did. Okay. All right. So last, we have time for the last we question. We have time for one more question. So what's coming down the road? What, uh, I mean, what do you plan to do to, um, I don't know, to innovate, to bring in more, because you're constantly, you know, basically you're constantly selling memberships, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. That's exactly right. Um, you know, as far as the industry is concerned and, and what's ahead, I, I think you're going to see, you know, smaller aircraft like the Honda jet, the Vision jet. These are like uh, little jets and airplanes, you know, uh, little private jets. We call them VLJs, very light jets. Uh, they're a smaller hourly rate that are really designed for an hour and a half of flight time. Yeah. Uh, cool. You know, so I think that's what you're going to see more of. Yeah. I saw a show on that, uh, uh, on that Honda jet. That's really interesting. Okay. I mean, it's like, it is like a Jetsons jet. Absolutely. Cool. All right, Jordan. I really appreciate your time this morning. It's a very interesting way of getting around if you can afford it and a very cool business model. Tell everybody where they can find you online and on Instagram. Sure. You got it. Mm Jetagency.com. And you can follow us, uh, Jet Agency Official. Excellent. Is our Instagram handle there. All right. Thank you. You're going to have the hovercraft pick us up at our house uh, in about an hour, yeah? (laughs) 30 minutes. Yeah. Right, because we're going away. You're my new bestie, Jordan. No question about it. I mean, I love these restaurant guys, but let's go somewhere. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Thank you. All right. Let's right, go back guys, to Greece. We're back to you. So, Chef, let's talk about the particulars in the game. I mean, I'll, what, try, to, I'll know, try to answer the best well, I can. I'm, know, still, you, I'm still getting familiar with the with the brand and the process, too. So. Oh, well, did you just come on board? I did. I've when been did there about a, about a month ago. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. Are you from the, the D.C. World, area? or I'm not originally from the D.C. area, but I've been down here about 18 years. Okay. Where yeah. were you? Where huh? were you before this? Before Lamani? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I took a couple of years kind of consulting. Uh, I helped open Supra Restaurant. which sure. is uh, We're good friends the, with them. Yeah. Jonathan, yep. Laura. So I helped open that. And Tabla, uh, before that, I mean, my first start was at Zaytina. So this is kind of like. Which I was like going to say, right in your wheelhouse course, yeah. here. Kind of like going full, full circle. I also mm-hmm. helped open up Hook Restaurant, which was uh, oh my God, with back in the day. Jeez, yep. So back. I've got some of my, some of my like work history is like, you know, coming, coming full circle right now. Mm-hmm. So. That's great. You know, I'm happy to be a part of the team, and, mm-hmm. and I'm still learning, too. So the chef I'm working under has got a lot of, like, decades-long working relationship with purveyors, especially with the seafood. So that's, like, really cool for me to get involved mm-hmm. in that and make those working relationships. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm on board now. It's it's challenging, but we'll get there. I have no doubt. And when – so the official opening date is the 15th. Are you guys open right now? What's Tell us how yeah, the public a, can get in. We had a soft open on October 21st, and we've been uh, slowly ramping up reservations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you How big is the one, space? Because all those spaces down there are ginormous. 609 seats. Good Lord. How much? 609 seats. A little over 16,000 uh, <laughs> square feet for the entire – A little well, over 16,000 square feet. Let me just feet. say in Greek, holy guacamole, 609 <laughs> seats? Yeah. And you want to turn them, what, twice a night? Two and a half. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, okay. hey, as as, uh, as wow. best as we can serve our guests. That's right. the most important wow. thing. Um, we well, listen. Go, we should go down now. Um, 
Listen, the wharf is an incredible tourist destination here yeah. in DC. I mean, we were just there last week because we had the uh, there was an event at the Pendry. Um, we actually had the chef from the Pendry on last week, uh, uh, Barry Coslow. But um, I'll be very. I would love to have you guys back on in a year because I'm. Yeah. Is that the largest restaurant in DC? No, so Old Ebbett and the Hamilton are both bigger than us. They're both bigger? Yes. Okay, wow. Well, That's really wild. Go ahead. We have to wrap it up. Okay, can we tell everybody where we can find you on the wharf and where we can find you online, please? Sure. We are located at Water Building 1 or 670 Wharf Street in Southwest 20024. Mm-hmm. Or you can find us at lamani.com and just click on DC. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, okay, you want to say a couple things? Make it fast. I do. I just want to remind everybody that uh, although it's probably fallen off uh, the front page, that war in Ukraine goes on today. It is imperative that Ukraine win, and uh, that's also also means it's imperative that they continue to get help from from our government, but also from us. And there are lots of there are millions of refugees. So open up your your wallet, um, pass on a latte today, and send money to the Red Cross. Um, uh, to Jose's World Central Kitchen mm-hmm. to feed those folks. And as far as what's going on in, in the Middle East, it's, it's a mess. And uh, you can donate to the Red Crescent to uh, get funds to help the Palestinian refugees. You can donate to the Red Cross to help in Israel. Um, to quote Rodney King, why can't we all just get along? Okay. And on that note, we want to thank you all for joining us today. Everything you heard here, you can find on the list, areyouonit.com, the online scene that tells you everything that's happening in the D.C. metro area. Uh, don't forget to follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Industry Night is now on YouTube. We have a residency at the Point D.C. at Buzzards Point, not far from these guys at the wharf. Uh, we, this is our last show. Because we're going away and we'll be gone for Thanksgiving. So everybody have a safe, happy, delicious, lovely Thanksgiving. Uh, Be safe out there and have a delicious week.